Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Vav. Today we're going to focus on different formulas that one can use for Kiddushin and also for Gitin. So we begin, Tenor Abanan, Hare'at Ishti, Hare'at Arusati, Hare'at Kenuyali, Mekodeshet. A man tells a woman, gives her something and says, Behold, you are my wife, you are my betrothed, you are acquired to me. Um, all that are good languages. Hare'at Sheli, Hare'at Birshuti, Hare'at Zekukali, Mekodeshet. He says, you are mine. You are under my domain. You are bound to me. Also, those are valid formulas. And if he says that and gives her something, then they will be she will be mekudeshet. Now we ask, How come we just had two sets of three? Why did not? Why? How come the tana, meaning the transmitter, uh, why didn't they clump the, put them all together as one list of six? Why say three mekudeshet and another three mekudeshet? And the answer is tana telat telat shema'inhu vegarsinhu. Because the transmitter heard them as three and another three. And so just as he learned it, so he teaches it. In other words, the, uh, the uh, professional memorizers, uh, their, their, their job was not to change any of the language, but rather to transmit everything exactly as they heard it. So this is the way it was originally formulated. And perhaps there was uh, some originally one Tana, Tana in the sense of a teacher that taught this set, and some other time someone gave a shiur and gave the other set. So these were originally taught at different times, and so they remembered as separate lists. Alright, we ask about all of these. Um, behold, you are uh, um, uh, special unto me, meaning uh, unique uh, to me. You are, you are my, you are the one for me. That's a good translation. Uh, you are designated to me. Or ezrati. Now the la- the next few are all come all come from the pesukim uh, regarding the original creation of uh, Chava. Uh, and uh, which uh, follow the following pesukim. So he uh, Hashem creates a woman out of man by taking one of his either ribs or sides and closing up the uh, flesh um, behind, uh, under it. Um, uh, at, at the site, um, a little surgery there, and he takes that selah, and he says, and of course, she is also called Ezer Kenegda in a Pasuk right before. Right? I will make a help meet uh, to as a counterpart to him. Um, okay, so now that we have, we see all these words in the original creation of the first uh, woman, first wife. What if we use any of those languages? Ezrati Mahu, a man tells his, his bride, you will be my helper. Negdati Mahu, you will be, well, against me, hopefully not, or my counterpart. What about that? Asurati, you are gathered for me, right? Kind of gathered uh, uh, to be designated uh, for me. Uh, Salati, you should be my rib. Well, will you be my rib? That sounds romantic. Sugurati, the one that's closed for me. Um, uh, from the language that Vayiskor Basar Tartena, Hashem uh, closes up his flesh in that place where from, from which he took. 
the uh, rib or the side. Tachtai, that's from the word tachtena. He closed her. So will you be in place of where that my, that side was taken from me and uh, be my uh, my missing uh, my missing half? Uh, what about that? Tefusati mahu, will you be my seized one? Now, this sounds like uh, that Papos, remember, who uh, locked his wife in, a, uh, in, in, in the house, right? So that sounds like a guy who goes and seizes a bride and takes her by force, right? Will you be my seized one? Lekuchati, the one who, as, who I have taken. Um, it could be from Kimeish Lukoha Zot. She is taken from his his side, so the taken one, or because he is taking her. Okay, what's the, what about all of these? So we don't have an answer to most of them. However, let's answer one of them, the Tanya. If you say, behold, you are my taken one, that's valid, because well, that's the basic word when a, a man takes a woman, so although it could also be a reference to Bereshit is is also a reference to uh, Devarim, and if it's a reference to Devarim, ki kach, that's the main verb that's used for marriage for kiddushin. So therefore, certainly that should be good. The other ones we're not sure about. Ibayelehu harufati mahu harufati my espoused one. This is, comes from the phrase neharefet uh, leish. Um, which can mean someone who is uh, designated uh, to or indentured, acquired. Uh, it has this uh, a language of kind of slavery, um, but or designated for marriage. It's an ambiguous term. So what about that? Tashema de Tanya Haomer Harufati Mekodesh Shekin Bihuda Kodin Larusa Harufa. Braita says, Yes, if you say, Behold, you are my Harufati, that's fine, because in Judea, in their, their dialect of Hebrew, they call an arusa harufa, someone who's betrothed, they call her harufa. It's used in the marriage sense there. After all, also in Isha Neharefet Leish, she's designated for marriage to a man. So it has that sense in the Torah as well. And in Judea, that's the regular common usage of Harufa is Arusa. Now, we ask, So what in Judea, they say, is Judea the majority of the world? Though everybody in the world has to follow the dialect of Judea? Right, should only be good in Judea, not anywhere else. So how could this Brayta say it's good everywhere? So we answer, um, We're missing part of the Brayta. The full Brayta should be, if a man says, you behold, you are my Kharufati, that's fine, because the Pasuk says, Isha Ish, she is uh, espoused, designated for a man. And also, besides that, in Judea, they call an Arusa a Harufa. So the Judea was just an added reason, and uh, therefore, but really the main reason is the Pasuk, and that would be universal. So we ask about that version of the Braita, Vihuda Ve'od Likra. Wait a second, you're going to say Judea? And as a further proof, if you have a pasuk already, pasuk is 100% proof, right? That's, this is basic biblical Torah definition. Why would you have to add to that? It's like saying someone has a billion dollars and he also, you know, has a, uh, a jar of pennies. Right? That's, that's not in addition uh, to anything. We wouldn't add on the local custom of Judea 
to a proof from a pasuk. Rather, a new version of the Braita, what it meant to say is, uh, if someone says, in, if someone who lives in Judea says, you are my uh, harufati, then that's valid because in Judea, they call an arusa harufa. So that works in Judea. If you're, if you're in Bavel, in the Galilee, where you don't have that usage, then it would not be good. So it's important. Whenever we look at a definition of a word, we should look at the local meaning. And everybody, everybody there uses the word in a certain way, then that's fine. Now, b'may askinan ilema b'she'en medaber imah al iskei gita v'kidusheha menayada ma'ika meyada ma'ika madla ve'la b'medaber imah al iskei gita v'kidusheha af algav de lo amad la name. So, and all these the questions that we've been asking so far about all these ambiguous terms, we have a what in what case are we talk are we asking these questions? If it's a case where they were not talking about matters of Gitin and Kiddushin at all, they were talking about the baseball game. And all of a sudden he says, Harufati, all those uh, terms that we said before. So how do you know what he's talking about? How do you know if he means you are special to me, you are a special worker, you are a, you are a specially good dresser? I don't know. What does it mean? Uh, so we don't. We, if there's no context, we have no idea what it means. But so that it can't be that because then it would surely not be good. Um, rather, but the other side is they were talking about matters of gitin and kiddushin. They're talking about hey, what are you thinking about getting married and where do you want to get married and where should we do it and the hall and all that. And so they're talking about these things and there's people there and all that. And then he says hadeat meuedetli. Well then, even if he didn't say anything, actually, we, if he just gives her a ring and without saying anything, it would be valid. How do we know that? Is a Mishnah Maser Shani. Titnan Hayam Debed Al Imisha Al Iske Gita Bikidusheha Venatana Gita Bikidusheha Velo Perash Rebiose Omer Dayo. If they, the man was speaking with his wife about matters of Gitin, if it's for Gitin, or matters of Kidushin, if it's for Kidushin, and he gave her a get, or he gave her money for, for, as Kidushin. Even though he didn't say anything, he was just quiet. He didn't explain what it is, what it is for. The BOSS says that's sufficient, right? They're talking about divorce. Should we get divorced? What do you think? What's going to happen to kids? Are you going to live? Right? All that. And then he gives her a get. And he doesn't say, He doesn't say anything. It's obvious that he's giving it to her and giving her a get because they were just talking about that. And the same thing, right? If they're talking about marriage and he gives her money, it's clear that he's giving her this because that is Kiddushin. And according to the Be'er, so you don't have to say anything. Now, there is a disagreement there. Rabbi Yehuda says, even if you're talking about that matter, you have to say explicitly, um, or hare zo gitech, you have to say explicitly. However, Vamadav Huna Amar Shemuel, Halachak Rabbi Yoseh Shemuel ruled that the law is like Rabbi Yoseh, that if you say nothing, that is still valid. So that's now our question. When we uh, gave those uh, about 10 different questions that we just had, if they're not talking about matters of Gitin and Kiddushin, then it's ambiguous. So it should definitely be no good. And if they are talking about Gitin and Kiddushin, then for sure they're good, because even if you say nothing, 
it's a valid Kiddushin. So why are we in a quandary about all of those formulas? And the answer is, Actually, if he was, talk, he was talking about matters of Gitin and it's, it, all the questions are when he's talking about matters of Gitin and Kiddushin. And if he would just give, it, give her a coin and say nothing, in fact, they would be married because you can tell from the context. Right, talking about marriage, he gives her money. This is not just uh, you know a tip for uh, allowance. This is obvious. They're talking about kiddushin. That's obvious, and you don't have to. And they would be she would be mikudeshit. But rather, these questions. What are we talking about? That he said th these languages and saying this expression is actually worse than saying nothing. And therefore, um, we wonder, when he says these various languages, is he saying it for Kiddushin? You are the one for me, right? You are the, you are desert, you are special to me. Is he saying that as Kiddushin? Or maybe he's saying it uh, to hire her, right? You will be my helper, Ezid. What does Ezid mean? Okay, Ezid, you're, you'll be my helper. You're going to be my, uh, my secretary from now on. Um, so Isaac could mean wife, it could mean uh, assistant. And so we don't, we're not sure what it means. So it actually it's worse that he said something. So in conclusion, if he, um, if they weren't talking about Gitin and Gitin, uh, or Kiddushin, in this case Kiddushin at all, and he said, here, you be my, my Isaac, then that would be nothing because there's no context there. Um, and if he said, if he, they were talking about Kiddushin and he was quiet, and gave her something that would be good because he's talking about they're talking about kiddushin and he gave her something so then we assume it's for kiddushin the question the middle area is they had been talking about matters of kiddushin but then he comes and says hare at ezrati right be my helper so is he is that the same the same context and is for kiddushin or by saying something is he actually changing the subject listen we were talking about marriage maybe we should get married maybe not but you know what? I just want to hire you to be my assistant. I don't need you as a wife. You could just, uh, you know, take notes in my office. Um, so uh, we're, we're not sure if he means a wife or if he means to be an assistant. And uh, therefore, that's, those are the questions, take all, and uh, they are left unresolved. All right, Gufa. Now that we mentioned this matter, Hayam Daber Imaisha, Liske Gitavikidusheha. Venatana Gitavikidusheha, Velopidesh, Vibio Seomer Dayo, Vibio Damer Omer Sadik Sadik Lefadesh. So we saw this Braita that they were talking about matters of Gitin or Kidushin, and he gave her a get, or he gave her Kidushin, and he didn't say anything. Vibio says, That's good, that's sufficient. We know from the context, Biuda says you have to say something explicitly. So Rav Yuda says the name of Shemuel says, as long as they were still discussing that matter, if they went off on a tangent, they'll say they're talking about Kiddushin, and then, oh, the baseball game comes on, they start talking about baseball, and then he gives her a coin. And then, then it's not no good. They have to, they have, it, at the very minute that he's giving her the coin, they have to be talking about Kiddushin. They can't go off on a tangent. And so Rabbi Oshaya supports the same law as Shemuel, one is in Babel, Rabbi Oshaya is in Eretz Yisrael, they have to be talking about the same thing. And 
these two early Amoraim are repeating a uh, controversy that was from the times of the Tanaim, because the B also says they have to be talking about that particular subject of, of Kiddushin at the time, whereas it'd be Elazar, but it'd be Shimon says, even if they're not talking about that matter um, at the time, it's still okay. Now we ask about this, this the last opinion, Wait a second, if they're not talking about Kiddushin, they're just watching a baseball game, talking about the score, and uh, you know, how good this pitcher is, and then he just gives her a coin, how could that work, right? How do you know what he's talking about? He didn't say anything. He's just giving her a coin, and that's Kiddushin? Doesn't make any sense. Amar Abaye explains, no, even according to the Be'elaz, but be Shimon, has to be that they had been talking about Kiddushin. And once they were talking about Kiddushin, they were talking about the flowers, and then they went on a tangent about types of flowers, and then, right, they uh, were talking about the weather, and then, oh, then they came back to Kiddushin. In other words, they, uh, they're still talking about, they had been talking about Kiddushin, they went on a tangent, and at that time he gives her a coin, that's okay, because we know that this is a tangent, but the basic thing that they're talking, a basic subject they're talking about is Kiddushin, and therefore it's valid, whereas according to the other sages, they have to be talking directly about Kiddushin, not about some tangent that came up in the middle. We already quoted this just now. Shemuel says that we follow the Biyose, that if you don't say anything and you're talking about that subject matter, that's good. And now we Rav Yamar S. Rav Ashe. When Shemuel said a rule, anyone who doesn't know the nature, right, the details of Gitin and Kiddushin, who hasn't studied these halachot, should not have any dealings with them, right? A rabbi who doesn't know, maybe he knows uh, a lot about the laws of uh, pots and pans and kosher and things like that, but if he doesn't know anything about Gitin and Kiddushin, so he should not. Uh, uh, go ahead and start uh, uh, doing Kiddushin and performing Gitin. Now, the question is, in how much detail? What if he knows uh, He knows all the halachot, but he never heard of this statement of Rav Huna in the name of Shemuel, who said that the halacha is like Rabbi Yoseh, that if they're talking about uh, Kiddushin or Gitin, and then he gives her the item without saying anything, that's that, that that's Mikudeshit, or the get is valid. What if he, he knows everything, but he doesn't know about that? Um, would also, would Shemuel say that he should not be involved? And uh, Rav Esha answered, yes, in that, indeed so. Uh, this is an important rule because it can come up. Um, see, it's uh, easy to do a, do a Kiddushin uh, if everything goes right. But the question is, what if something goes wrong in the middle? Right? Uh, something drops. They said the wrong thing. Uh, they did it the wrong way. Um, so then you have to know, well, is it good? We have to do it over again. How does it work? What are we going to do? The Kitin is very complicated. Um, so one has to know all the ins and outs of uh, what if, what if they he didn't say the formula, right? He forgot to say the formula and he gives her the ring, uh, they're under the chuppah, everybody's there, they're there for the, for the wedding. They're obvious, they're talking about Gitin, they're talking about Kiddushin, um, but he didn't actually say, and gives her the ring. So now what? Does, you know, does he have to do it again? What if they change their minds now? Do they need a get? Okay, very complicated. So one has to know all of these details.
We're now re-quoting a statement that we saw earlier uh, regarding divorce. If a husband gives his wife a get and says, you are sent away, you are divorced, you are permitted to everyone, then that's a good divorce. Those are These are the normal standard formulas. Now, we say, uh, building on that, it's a simple matter that if he gives her a get and says, you are free, he said nothing, because that's a language that you would tell a slave, you are free. So he was a slave, she was a slave, now she or he is free. But a wife is not a slave, um, even though some wives feel like that. Um, but So therefore, that is not a formula of divorce. Wrong category. And if uh, someone tells his slave woman, uh, you are permitted to everyone, also he said nothing because she was not prohibited to everyone from b- before. Wrong category. She was a s- slave. She has to uh, be, be freed. She was not prohibited that she needs to be permitted now. So uh, wrong formulas doesn't do anything. But if he tells his wife, you are on your own. Now that is a good formula for uh, uh, for emancipating a slave, right? Now you own yourself. But what about for marriage, to end a marriage? Do we say that he was talking about melacha only, right? Now your work is your own. Um, that's Well, that's good for a slave, not for a wife. Or does he mean Totally. You are totally on your own, meaning, and always, for divorce also, um, and, and marriage marriage also. Now you're on your own. You're not, you're not under your husband's authority in any way. So then there would be a good language. So we're not clear what this would mean. Here's the answer. So we're going to learn it from this Braita. The language of a get shichrur to free a slave is, behold, you are free or you are uh, for yourself. Now, if regarding Evikanani, whose body is owned by the master, and if he says you are for yourself, that means totally. Uh, he gets his own body, everything. So a woman who is whose body is not owned by her husband, it's only the right to be with someone else, the right to marry anybody else. That he is what the husband acquires, not ownership over herself. So all the more so. In other words, if this language, um, can, can break a strong ownership, ownership over a slave, then all the more so it can break a weaker type of ownership, uh, which which is ownership of marriage, which is just ownership over the right to for her to be with anybody else. So that's a good kavachomer. We accept it. He tells his wife, I he, sorry, a man tells his slave, I have no business with you. Right? This is something 
something that we, we've discussed regarding a, a partnership in land. He says, I have no business in this land. Um, so here, a uh, person tells us, I have no business in you. So what about that? Um, do we say that he means totally, I have no business with you at all, and now you are free to go? Or maybe he means in a more limited sense that I have uh, no business regarding your labor. I don't need your work anymore. But you're still a slave. He's just saying that you don't need to work. Um, uh, but doesn't change his status as a slave. That's the question. We have the answer from follows, the following statement. If someone sells his Evid uh, Kanani to a non-Jew, you're not supposed to do that. And so if he does that, that slave goes free, right? Again, because an Eved Kenani has to keep mitzvot. He has to keep Shabbat. Now you're going to sell the slave to a non-Jew who might work them on Shabbat. So you're not allowed to do that. The slave gains his freedom in, in, in halachically from the first master. Um, and nevertheless, he still needs a get shichirur from his first master. It's very, if we force the first master to uh, give him a get shichirur because he treated him badly in this way. And such that, then uh, he may he may still be enslaved by this non-Jew, according to whatever Roman law. Uh, but if he should run away or go free, then he would not have to go back to his first Jewish master. Now, on that, still is all part of the answer. says, when is this true that the, we force the first master, Jewish master, to um, give him a get shichirur? Only when he did not write an ono. But if he wrote an ono, then the ono is equivalent to a get shichirur. What is an ono? When he writes, um, as he's selling this uh, slave to the non-Jew, he, say, he writes, should you escape, then I have no business with you. That's the same as a divorce. Uh, that's the same as freeing him, right? Now, listen, you're going to be owned by this non-Jew, right? As is under Roman law, so whatever. So you're there. But sh if you are able to get your freedom, then you don't have to come back to me. You are totally free from me. What do we see from this? That this phrase, enli Isaac becha, is a language of emancipation. It means I have no business with you at all, not just for your work. It means I don't own you at all uh, anymore. Okay, next. Um, someone, he wants to um, uh, get married to this woman and happens to be she owes him money from some previous uh, thing. She need to, needed to borrow money. She, the guy said, okay, here's $100, here you go. And now he says, with that, remember that $100 you owe me? I forgive the loan, and you'll be mekadeshet to me with that $100. That's no good, not mekudeshet, even though on her, you know, in her uh, ledger, she now um, can uh, take off that debt of $100, so there's a, a total uh, positive in her, um, in her, uh, in her uh, assets. Uh, nevertheless, it doesn't work, because kiddushin has to be something that he actually gives her, um, that now she, did, she did, didn't have before. It can't just be erasing a minus, it has to be something that he gives her.
Now, what about Hana'at Milveh? We're going to explain in a second. Uh, this would mean like, let's say she has to pay back uh, next week. And he said, you know what? For the benefit, that, uh, I'll, I'll let you pay back in a year. So the benefit of having the loan for an extra year, um, you're Mikudesha to me with that. So that's actually something that he's giving her now. Um, that actually would work because he's giving her something that she didn't have before. He's not just erasing a, low, a negative. He's giving her something positive. However, uh, it's prohibited to do so because this is similar to ribit, uh, interest. Um, he's not, it's not actual ribit. He's not saying you have to pay me back more than I gave you. Um, he gave her a hundred dollars and she still has to pay a hundred dollars. But now, nevertheless, there is a benefit in having a longer loan. And so, um, this guy is, uh, is getting something. Um, uh, well, she rather is getting something out of the longer loan. And in turn, she is uh, giving him the right of marriage. So that instead of him having to come up with a coin or a ring, so now he has a benefit. He doesn't have to come up with a coin or a ring. He uh, benefits the Kiddushin from the lengthening of a loan. But that's kind of like a rebeat. Okay, so let's analyze. What's the case of benefit of a loan? So um, I already gave the answer, but the Gemara has to go through it. Um, so if it's talking about that he actually made interest and he says, I'll give you four, you have to give me, give me back five, um, then that's actually interest. And also that would be like the first case of a loan. Let's say he gave her four. And they said, you have to give me back five beforehand. And then he comes and says, you know what? You don't have to pay me back. So that's the first case of Milveh where we said it doesn't work. It doesn't work if he has to, she has to pay back the same amount. It doesn't work if, he, if, she has to, if she would have had to give back more. Either way, he's not giving her something now. So the Kiddushin is no good. So the answer is, La la zimna. Rather, he extended the time. Oh, that makes sense because now this is a new benefit that she is gaining. So therefore, technically, the Kiddushin is valid. Nevertheless, um, he is getting a benefit for uh, the time value of the money. And that, well, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's ribit. Now, he's not getting a, any, any monetary uh, 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 defined benefit. He's not getting, taking, getting back more than he gave her. So it's not totally ribit, but it nevertheless is still a benefit from the time value of money. Uh, now he she is mikudesha to him, and so it's prohibited to use that. Amarava helach mane amenashat hazrehuli bemeche lo kanabisha and amikudeshit befiona ben and banoi beno padui. If someone says, Here, I'm giving you a hundred dinar on condition that you give it back to me. So a gift on condition is complicated because, on the one hand, it is a gift, um, and uh, but, uh, but he has to give it back. If he doesn't give it back, then it was never a gift in the first place place so the gift never happened at all so let's assume that the gift happens and he gives it back but so is that a good gift because well in, in the end uh they the recipient didn't receive anything because they have to give it back so the hadava says if it's a if it's a sale the, then the sale is no good um you can buy something with money and the giving of the money would be a transaction but if it's this kind of giving and then on condition that you give it back then there's no transaction here if it's for kiddushin there is no kiddushin even though he's giving her money here you go here's money but she can't keep it she doesn't have a benefit from it she has to give it back no good if the father would give the kohen 
It says, here's five coins, unconditioned that you give it back. The, the child is not redeemed. Um, however, Rabbah continues, So let's say it's Tiruma. And so he gives some produce to the Kohen on condition that the Kohen will give it back to him. That actually works. He fulfilled his obligation of Tiruma. Uh, because he gave it to the Kohen. Now, this guy who gets it, takes it back, uh, he's Israel, the farmer. The farmer still won't be able to eat that Tiruma because it still has the co- holy status of Tiruma. Nevertheless, once he g- gave it and uh, g- gave it to the Kohen and got it back, he fulfilled Tiruma, and now he has ownership over the Tiruma such that he can go and sell it to a different Kohen or to the same Kohen. Um, so he can get money, uh, monetary benefit out of it. So technically, this is a valid giving even though he gets it back. And nevertheless, the rabbi said one should not do that. It's prohibited because it's similar to, and it looks like, a Kohen who's helping out in the threshing floor. Let's say a Kohen, he comes and says to the farmer, I'm going to come help you out in the threshing floor, do some threshing with you, uh, with the uh, agreement, said or unsaid agreement, that in the benefit of the Kohen helping helping out on the farm, the farmer will give the Kohen all the tiruma. That's not fair because it makes an uneven playing field or uneven threshing floor, if you will. Um, Because now the tiruma is supposed to be a free gift to all Kohanim because of their status, because of their uh, their job that they have to be uh, uh, serve bet mikdash also be kohanim be, be uh, judges be teachers and so this is for them now uh, you're 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 going to be um, showing favoritism to a particular kohen because he's helping you out on the farm. So this would be the same thing, that uh, you're giving it to this Kohen because he's going to give it back to you. So you're only giving it to him because he's doing something good for you. So that's similar to um, a Kohen helping out, helping out on the threshing floor, and the rabbis prohibited that. Now, my kasaba rava. Now, that's the uh, that's Rabbah's statement, and now we analyze it. What does he think about a gift on condition of returning it? If he thinks that a gift on condition of returning it is a gift, then all of them should be valid. And if he thinks that it's not a gift, then even Tiruma should not be. Why is he making a distinction between the first three on the list and t- that are no good and Tiruma, which is good? Furthermore, in a different statement, Rava said that this is a valid gift, a gift on condition. Rava himself said, if I have a, I own an etrog, I went, I bought it, and now on the holiday, I tell my, my friend doesn't have a netrog. So I say, here is a, here is a netrog, it's yours, it's a gift, on condition that you return it to me. And then that friend, he took it, he, he said the berachai, fulfilled the mitzvah, and he returned it to me. He fulfilled, he fulfilled the obligation. In other words, it is a valid gift. And if he doesn't return it to me, well, then he didn't fulfill the condition, and therefore it was never his. So he doesn't fulfill it, because on the first day of Sukkot, uh, when it's a mitzvah deoraita, the sezul kachtem lachem, is when you have to own it. And so you see here that Ravah thinks that a gift on condition of returning it is a valid gift. So how come he said in those three cases up above that it's no good? Rather, Rav Hashem said, 
I disagree. And I think that a gift on condition of returning it is a gift. And in all the cases, it would be a good gift. It would be good for Pijon Haben. It would be good for a sale. Um, it would be good for Terumah. It would be good for Lulav. It, it would not, however, even Rav Asher would agree, be good for uh, Kiddushin of, uh, of a woman because a woman cannot be acquired through Chalipin. Chalipin is a symbolic exchange where the thing item being given, like a handkerchief or whatever, can be even worth less than a peruta. So there's nothing actually being, it's not a monetary amount being given. There's now the gift on condition of returning is not exactly chalipin, but it's similar to chalipin in that it's something that you're giving that has no monetary value because you have to return it. So just like with chalipin, um, uh, it can work in other cases, but can't work for kiddushin, because um, you have to give something of value. Uh, so too, matana amenat although you're giving something, since you have to give it back, you're not giving something of, of lasting value to her. And so therefore, Rav Asheh says, I agree with you, in Kiddushin is different. And then, Rav Mor, the son of Rav Nechemiah, told Rav Ah, you know what? We actually said that in the name of Rava, exactly as you said. So Rav Asher was uh, was saying, you know, this must be the correct. And says, in fact, that's when uh, that's in fact what Rava said. So thank you for correcting our understanding of Rava's ruling. Baruch Adonai leolam. Amen. Ve amen.